But I want, today I want to talk in a new series. This is the first week of Lent. And I want to talk about forgotten virtues, okay? I want to talk about honor. Sadly, we live in a culture without honor. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Years ago, we used to live in the Auburn, Opelika area in Alabama. And they had a, a Kia plant that they built in West Point, Georgia. And then they had a Hyundai plant that they built in Montgomery, Alabama. And so we were kind of in between, right in the middle, right? And so what would happen, we didn't know this, but the, the Korean people who moved to work together for Hyundai and Kia, um, they, would, they were looking for a place to worship. So one weekend, they would all get together in West Point, Georgia, so the people from Montgomery would drive up so that all the Korean folks could have church together. And the next weekend, they'd all drive to Montgomery, and they would all worship together there and fellowship together there. And then they got this idea, since we got these two plants, and we got two groups of Korean people, we need a church, and uh, we need a Korean church, because, you know, we speak Korean. Korean, that's right. And so we need a place to do that. And they were Methodist, and so they came to our church in Opelika, and it was like right in the middle. And they wanted to meet with us about meeting in our church. And so they came in, and we sat down in my office, and they had an interpreter, and they had uh, the pastor of the church, and they had a representative from um, Hyundai and Kia there. And so we were meeting together, <laughs> and, you know, I've got a weird sense of humor. And so they were saying... <laughs> Well, hey, we'd like to use your church. Would that work? And, and so I was saying, well, what were you thinking? They said, well, we could meet together after church on Sunday afternoon, and we could have our worship service, and then we could have a fellowship time together and have a meal together, and, and then that'd give us time to go back home, you know, afterward. We both just have to drive an hour now instead of driving, you know, two hours. And so uh, they were talking about it. And just on a lark, I just, because I was thinking about it, I said, well, I think we can work this out. Here's what I'm going to propose. What I think we ought to do is, if you'll give me a Hyundai Sonata, I think we can let you meet here. Okay? Well, the interpreter immediately started laughing, and the others were just kind of sitting there going, what's going on? And then he told them what I said. And, uh, and the pastor, they all died laughing, and the pastor really cracked up. I thought we were going to have to give him some oxygen, you know, because I said, now, what's the problem? My daughter needs a Hyundai Sonata. You've got one. Let's just work this out. We're trying to work things out together today. I'm just, I'm just trying to help you because that's the kind of guy I am. You know what I'm saying? And so anyway, they thought that was hilarious. But anyway, they did meet. And what I learned is I learned some things from the Koreans. First of all, I don't know what their food tastes like, but I learned that it doesn't smell good. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> it may be wonderful, but when they're cooking it and when they're fixing it, it's not exactly appealing to me. Everybody else in the world may love it, but it, it does have a unique smell to it. Well, anyway, they were on the third floor. They would meet together. They would worship together. They would cook together. They would eat together. And then they would clean everything up. And by Monday when we came in, we didn't smell anything. Anyway, it was fine. But anyway, we, we allowed them. We gave them that privilege, and, and it was a blessing. And just like we've got another congregation that meets with us at noon. Did y'all know that? They come in, and they worship in here at noon. They were in a, a church building, and the district uh, needed that building. The, the Methodist church needed that to move the offices there because the offices got destroyed during the hurricane. And so they asked us, hey, do you have any place that, 
we could do that? And I said, yeah, that's Woodlawn's whole spirit. We'd be glad to do that. And so they said, okay, we'll come. And it was kind of a barrier for them because there was a bridge. They were across the bridge, but it's not, it's not that far. And so once they came, and they've just been wonderful. And I got to meet the pastor the other day between services. It was great. And I want to go. I'm going to go to that service when I can mingle with people, okay, and, and get around crowds. When the cold and flu season is over, then... So you keep all your germs to yourself. Just don't mess with me, okay? Because I'm still, I'm still a little delicate. I'm just saying, okay? They really, they say your reserves are just not quite back. But I'm getting better every day. It's really coming together. Well, anyway, I learned some things from the Korean folks. And one of the things I learned is, you know, they, they do a lot of things to show honor. When they meet you, they kind of bow. They, they bow like this to show honor to you. And, and if you go to their house, you're supposed to take them a gift. And if you take them a gift, you, you're to give it to them with both hands. And they're to receive it with both hands. And if you're sitting with them, talking to them, you know how in this country we cross our legs, you know, and put our feet up. Well, you don't do that because it shows the bottom of your feet and that's dirty and that's kind of dishonoring to them and so they don't ever do that and so I said to them well okay since you know all about honor and so forth then um, what can what what do you have to do when you come to the United States to show honor to other people and you know what they said well you don't have to do anything because that's not a big deal in America and that's really true now, there are times when we honor people. There are times when we show honor. But in our day-to-day -day living, just day, week in and week out, we don't have a lot of customs and a lot of things in our culture that show honor to one another. In fact, we live in a culture without honor. I want to show you a story about Jesus, and, and it's something that happened to him. He, he was um, going back to his hometown. Now, Jesus was born in... I want to thank both of you who knew that. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth, right. And so he's not going to where he was born. He's going to where he grew up, right? And when he goes back to his hometown in Mark chapter 6, he's returning there. He's already been back there for a prior visit about a year before, and they run him out of town. They threaten to kill him. He comes back, and what's he been doing? He's been out, and he's traveling, and he's teaching, and he's performing miracles. And he comes back to his hometown, and he actually, it, the Bible says he couldn't do any miracles there because there was a lack of honor and faith. In Mark 6, it says this, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that he has been given, that's been given him, that he does, even does miracles? Now, what they're saying, let me pause right there for just a minute. What they're saying is, wow, this guy's amazing. Look at what he can do. L listen to what he teaches. Watch how he, he goes out and just performs miracles. It's amazing. And then somebody says this. Well, now, wait a minute. Isn't he the carpenter? Isn't he Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And then it has this sentence, and you need to really underline this sentence. And they took offense at him. And they took offense. It's just a sad sentence in the Bible. Now listen, I've told you all this before, but some of you, this may be your first time here, or maybe you didn't catch it the first time. I've talked about the bait of Satan. Do you remember that? 
Debate of Satan. There's actually a book entitled Debate of Satan, and it's written by John Bevere, B-E-V-E-R-E, okay, John Bevere. I, I want to encourage all of you to read the book. If you don't have it and you want one, we can probably get you one. But here's the deal. Debate of Satan is trying to get you to take offense with somebody else. And if you're offended by them, then you're at odds with them, and you're at odds with God, and Satan's got you right where he wants you. That's why it's called debate. Let's just throw out a little of this bait of offense and see if it sticks, see if somebody takes it. Because you can choose to be offended, or you can choose not to be offended. You don't have to allow someone to offend you. You have a choice. And so you can make a choice about that. And the problem is, what they were saying about Jesus is, who does he think he is? He grew up right here. He's just the carpenter's son. That's no big deal, right? And so they're looking at him as an ordinary person. That's so sad to me. And Jesus said to them, because he sensed what they were thinking, only in his hometown, among his relatives and his own house, is a prophet without honor. Now, here's what happens. Familiarity causes us to underestimate one another. You know, if you go and, and you're a speaker somewhere and you go somewhere you've never been before and people hear you and they say, boy, that was great and I, I love that. I really appreciate that. The snowbirds come down here and they just love our church. They love our worship services. They say, we wish we could just move here and go to church, you know. But, but if you're here all the time and you're familiar with one another, well, well that's just Joe. It's just Joe. We all know Joe, right? Nothing special about Joe. He's just Joe, right? And that's kind of what they were doing with Jesus. Well, it's just Jesus. No big deal. I don't know why we're thinking that he's somebody special. Now, the Greek word without honor is the word atimos. Atimos, and it means to dishonor. It means to treat someone as common or ordinary. But the flip side of dishonoring someone is to show them honor. And the Greek word for honor is teme, teme. And it means to value or respect or highly esteem or treat as precious or wealthy or weighty or valuable. Now, what does honoring do? Well, honor, honoring someone esteems someone. It lifts them up. Dishonoring them devalues a person or tears them down. To honor someone is to believe the best about someone. But to dishonor someone is to believe the worst about someone. Now, listen. Respect is earned, but honor is given. Respect is earned, but honor. You can, you can honor someone just because of the position that they hold. Honor is freely given, and it empowers and encourages. And the, way, the reason our country is the way it is today is because we have been devaluing people by dishonoring them. Now, watch what happens to Jesus in his own hometown when people dishonor him. He says, a prophet in his own town is without honor. In the verse 5, it says, Jesus could not do many miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, did you catch that? We're talking about Jesus, who is the Son of God, and he was limited as to what he could do. Why? Because of the lack of faith, the lack of honor, because of the crowd. Did you know that, that 
I know, it's sad. Did you know that, that churches have personalities? Did you know that? Churches have personalities. That's why I love Woodlawn so much, is because it's a church. It's different from many churches in this regard. Not all churches will relocate. The church was built in 57 in a different location in 2002. They said, you know, God has blessed us, but he's going to do a new thing. We're going to go out here, this new piece of property. And so they did. They came here, and look how God has blessed the church because of their faithfulness. Not every church will do that. And so the personality of the church makes all the difference. Did you know that the crowd makes the preacher? Did you know that? You know, if you go into a room and there's, it's just packed out and there's a lot of energy there and people are just really listening and they're, they're right there ready to hear, then, you know, they're receptive and they catch things and they're with you. And it, it just makes all the difference in the world, right? And so I've seen that happen. I, I went and spoken, and I've gone and spoken to churches, and um, I would preach a stewardship message, and uh, I would do a good job. And, and I would preach at a church in one town, and uh, boy, the people just received that message. I mean, they were all over it, and they were just so positive about it. I went to another town, preached the exact same message. I'd rested the night before, I, the same thing. It was just like, and they just, they were so, that, that whole church's attitude was just closed. It was like there was a wall that was just right there in front. And they weren't open to anything anybody said. And Jesus couldn't do many miracles there because of the crowd. That, that's amazing to me. And so churches have personalities. I'm so grateful for Woodlawn's personality. Listen, where there is a lack of faith, there is a lack of honor. You can write it down. They, they didn't know how to honor Jesus. They didn't have faith in Jesus. Jesus could not do what he did in other places because they didn't believe in him. Now, tragically, we've become a culture without honor. We're called to honor, but who are we called to honor? Well, first, our parents. Our first, you know, it says in the top ten, you know what I'm talking about in Exodus? It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. So this is under point number one. Tragically today, we are bad about dishonoring people in our culture, especially parents. And it's got to break the heart of God when that happens. You may say, well, my mom and dad didn't live honorable lives. My dad ran off with another woman. My mom was a drunk. Well, listen, respect is earned, but honor is given. We still honor our parents because that's what the Bible teaches us to do. Now, second, we honor those in authority to those God has placed above us. In the book of Romans, it talks about honoring those and governing authorities. We, we pray for those who, who are our leaders, whether they're here locally or nationally or internationally, those around the world. We need to pray for the leadership. We need to pray for them. In verse 7, it says to give everyone that you owe what is due him. Give everyone that you owe him. If you owe respect, then give them respect. If you owe honor, then give them honor. Those of you who play sports, you honor your coach. Your coach is out there helping you, doing the best he can, she can, and, and they're trying to help you. If you're a student, you honor your teachers. Your teachers are trying to teach you. If you uh, are working as an employee, you honor your boss, right? And some of you say, well, I'm smarter than my boss. Well, there's a lot of people on staff here that could say that. <laughs> Duh. I mean, I'm just, just, watch it, watch it, watch it. 
But you know what? I love to surround myself with great people. I really do. I want the best I can get to be around me. And, you know, the things that I don't do well, they do well. And maybe something that they don't do well, I do well. That's what a team is. And so you're grateful for that. You try to get the best you can. I've never been threatened by that. Because you, you can't really work over someone until you've learned to work under their authority. You've got to work under the authority of God and those who are in authority over you because that'll make you a better leader later on when you get placed in that position. Ladies, you don't like your husband? He's not leading the way you want him to? Well, honor him. If you'll honor him, you'll be amazed at how he'll change. If you just treat him as ordinary and common, he will not feel empowered to lead. If you honor him, you can watch as he grows. Now, third, our pastors and church leaders. We need to honor them. And I don't talk about that a lot because obviously, duh, I'm a pastor, right? But think about all the people who teach here. Think about the people who lead. Think about the people who facilitate. Think about the people who are over the small or the life groups and, and all the different teaching things that go on around here. And you think about that and all that they do for you. Those who give spiritual instruction, those who are discipling us, we need to show honor. In 1 Timothy, it says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. It's a biblical mandate to honor them. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Here's your assignment, Romans 12.10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Those of you who have children, if you take your children and, and they're well cared for here, whether they're at the preschool or they go to Sunday school or they go to church and they're in the children's ministry here, then you need to find out, you know, who is it that's watching your child? Learn their name. Bend over backwards to show honor to them. Get them a gift card. Let them know how much you appreciate them for doing what they're doing. Somebody picks you up in a little golf cart on Sunday morning when you're going to church and you get a ride here, especially when it's raining. You need to show honor to that person for doing that. If you want a great marriage, anybody want a great marriage? Anybody? Any takers? Okay, we, we got time, okay? Well, well, here's the deal. If you want a great marriage, I'll show, you, I'll show you how to do it. You try to outdo one another. You lift each other up. You encourage each other. You highly esteem. You show value to one another. And watch how your spouse will just grow and change and become all that you pray that they are. Take a moment to honor your wife or your husband. I, I want to honor Laura. Laura's in here. La I appreciate Laura. Laura is, is really good to me. She nursed me back to health when I was at death's door, and I really appreciate that, and she does a great job, and, and so I'm, I'm appreciative. One of the things she did was she would always <laughs> brag on me to the kids when they were growing up and tell the kids how great I was. I always loved that. Go ahead, Laura. Tell them how great I am. <laughs> These folks, they're not doing anything. They don't have anywhere to go, and I'd like to hear it too. You know what I'm saying? So go ahead. And then there's the, the, the staff. Think about the staff. You know, when I got sick, you know what the staff here did? They said, don't you worry about it. We got it covered. And they just took it and ran with it. And they've done a marvelous job. They, they are a great staff. They really do a great job. They work hard to do their very best. And so I want to honor them. They're great. And then I want to honor you. Just look at, at the person next to you and say, Joe wants to honor you right now. Go ahead and tell them that right now. Yeah. 
because you're generous and you're faithful and you're growing. And I honor you. I appreciate you. And all of us can honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Son of God, the risen Christ, who has given his life and touched our hearts and made all the difference for us. And I want to honor him because he changed me into a new creation. And he forgave me of my sins and he filled me with his spirit. And he empowered me to do things I could not do on my own. And so I honor him for who he is. Now, why is our culture without honor? I'm going to tell you why. You ready? The reason our culture is dishonoring is because people aren't honoring God. That's why. That's it. It's, you know, all true honor is born out of a surrendered heart to the King of Kings. It says in Psalms, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him, all you descendants of Israel. And the problem is that we treat God as he's common. He's, we're too familiar with him. He's too ordinary. He's not just a baby in a manger. He's coming back. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when he comes back, he'll be carrying a sword with him. He's a righteous one. He shed the blood that we could live. Why don't we treat God the way he needs to be treated? Why don't we honor him? See, what happens is when we start to honor God, then we start to honor other people. Because listen, if Jesus died for those other folks, then they're worthy of honor, right? And so we want to show it to him and we want to show it to one another. When we get that right, when we return to what he wants us to do, when we reclaim the virtue of honor, the forgotten virtue of honor, then things will be right. Now, have we got any baseball fans here before I wrap this up? Any baseball fans? Okay, I'm not going to tell the story then. We don't have any baseball fans. Are there any baseball fans here today? Are you shy? What's the problem? All right, here's the deal. Anybody remember Babe Ruth? You didn't have to be alive when he played. I just want to know if you know who he is, okay? Well, here's the deal. He signed seven bats. He autographed seven bats. And the first one he autographed got lost. What happened was that his agent, they traced it back, his agent gave it to this guy who won the home run contest. Some guy won it, and it disappeared, and they didn't know where it was, who had it, or anything. Now, on this guy's deathbed, he gave it to the nurse, the woman who cared for him. He said, you're the closest person I know. I love you and appreciate you. I want to give you my most valuable possession. I'm going to give you this bat that's autographed by Babe Ruth. Well, she didn't know a lot about baseball, but she knew it was pretty special. So for the next 18 years, she kept it in a safe place under her bed. <laughs> right? I'm glad she didn't have a fire, but that's where she kept it there. And, and she did it in honor of the guy who gave it to her. Well, she came on hard times financially, and so she was trying to open a business, and she wondered what the bat was worth. And so she took it down to this sports place, and she said, is this worth anything? And the guy's eyes got really big, and he took it, and he walked back, and he got some more experts to come out, and they looked at it, and they said, we think that this is one of the seven bats, the one that was missing, the one that was lost. We think this is one of the original bats that Babe Ruth signed. And wow, it, it's something. And so she, it went up on auction. And this was in 2006. How much did it sell for? $1.3 million. And so she got to open her restaurant. <laughs> With 1.3, you can do that, right? But here's what she did. She didn't spend all the money on the restaurant. 
She opened the restaurant, but she took the remainder of the money and she started a foundation for children. Why? Because Babe Ruth loved kids. Babe Ruth had a terrible childhood. He grew up in an orphanage. He felt like that nobody loved him. He said that he heard his own mother say she never wanted him. And he spent his whole life trying to help kids. That, that was his thing. He wanted to be nice to kids. And so she, the reporter asked her, well, why in the world did you put all that money into a foundation to help other people? And she said the bat was only valuable because Babe Ruth's name was on it. So the only reasonable thing to do was something that would honor his life because he made it valuable. Look at the person beside you and say, you are valuable. You are valuable. You know how I know that? I know that because of what Jesus did for you and for me. If you're a believer, then Jesus' name is written on your heart. And the only re reasonable response that we can have is to do something in, with our lives that would honor Him. Sadly, though, the Bible says this, and it says it in Isaiah 29. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We're not going to be that generation that does that. We're going to be a generation that is genuine and sincere. We're not just going to talk about it, but we're going to give honor and praise and glory to our Lord. And then we're going to show him honor and other people honor because that's what he's called us to do. And when we do, we will reclaim the forgotten virtue of honor, to lift each other up, to esteem each other. And this world can become more and more of what God intended it to be when we reclaim the forgotten virtue of honor. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us how to treat one another. Thank you for Korean folks and other folks who show us how to honor each other. And Lord, I pray that we might do that faithfully. And I pray that you might use us to be your witnesses. I pray in Jesus' name.